Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Welcome, everyone. This is Rick Thomas with Life Over Coffee. Thank you so much for being here. I just got an email right before doing this podcast from Gary. He said he wanted to make a donation and he wanted to know, should he do it through the website or write a check? Well, that is an excellent kind of email to receive because actually donating to our ministry is my love language. So, Gary, thank you so much for uh, donating to our ministry. And by the way, he said, I just love this fantastic ministry, and I appreciate you not only loving our ministry, but you have the ability to give, and I appreciate you doing that because most people do not have that ability. And so thank you for your generosity, and I just wanted to give you a shout-out because Gary, you, and a whole lot of people like you is why uh, this ministry uh, functions the way that it does. And so I'm very grateful for you. I want to talk about the perfect place to reveal your dysfunctional self. Now, I'm making two assumptions here that you have a dysfunctional self, uh, which you're like me, okay, so we're in good company. Uh, But then the second assumption is that there is a perfect place to reveal your dysfunctional self, and I want to talk about that for a few moments. We have no choice but to be dysfunctional. We're all broken in different ways, as disorderedness is part of what it means to be born in Adam. I mean, even on our best days, imperfections appear like a stain under white paint. Our collective fallenness is why the local church is so fabulous. A collection of broken people in a community of Christ-like disciple-makers seeking to draw closer to God and each other. The church is the place where you can be just as I am. And though I'm not making a case for sending your brains out or unleashing unbridled behavior, I am a realist. I have been living with myself for a long time. I've also been in the counseling business for a long time as well. That makes me a realist. We sin. We do. And when we do, we're in a safe place to find the help that we need. It's the perfect place to reveal our dysfunctional selves. And so rather than trotting out our carefully edited representatives for public consumption. Uh, For those of you who have been at my conferences, you have heard me say that. And that's our temptation, is to carefully craft this representative of ourselves that we push out into the public space, hoping that people will receive that person and accept that person as we hide behind our fig leaves because we are ashamed of some of the things that are in our lives. We don't have to be like that. We can show people who we are while giving them the hope in the masterpiece that God is producing. See, one thing about honesty and transparency is that it does give people hope. I'm not talking about bragging about your sin, and of course you understand that. But if we presented ourselves as carefully edited representatives, if we pushed ourselves out into public space and pretended that we were okay, well then that will just discourage everyone because nobody will have the guts to step forward and say that I'm not like you. I am not perfect. I I do have problems. 
Well, as Christians, we don't have to hide behind those fig leaves. The local church is where all these future masterpieces gather, which is why our shared commonality with dysfunction doesn't discourage us. You see, only people without the gospel should have no hope. The born-again crowd, we live in an ever-maturing, ordered reality with Christ as our head and His righteousness as our possession. Now, we're not boasting as the world might boast. We're not pretending that we are perfect by no means. And we are not looking down on others who have yet to taste the water that satisfies our souls. We mourn for them while doing all that we can to reach them with the gospel. But in the meantime, we rejoice in the amazing grace that opened our eyes and changed our lives. And so as you rejoice in the hope and the help that only the gospel can bring, I want you to consider a list of words some of the things that we share in common. And as you hear these words, you're going to say, well, these are negative things, and I'm going to say these are negative words that come from our Adamic natures, the things that we have yet to rid ourselves or rid from our lives completely. But here's the caveat. Because of the hope of Christ in us, this list also represents some of the things that we should be discussing with our closest friends, because there is wonder-working power in us, compelling us to be open and honest about these inhibitors that keep us from growing into a, a fuller representation of Christ-like manhood or womanhood. And though these terms are negative, they do not overcome, they do not overwhelm the psyche not of those who believe. And so here are some of the things that are representative of all of us. Now, every one of these things will not apply, but I'm just throwing this list out because I'm juxtaposing this list with the reality that we have hope. There's things that we struggle with like failure, disunity, hypocrisy, lust, fear, guilt, arrogance, dysfunction, gossip, disagreement, laziness, unforgiveness, friction, jealousy, prejudice, anger, worry, arguments, shame, and competition. And that is not an exhaustive list. And though the discussions with your church friends include more than these things, your discussions with some of your church friends must consist of some of these imperfections that have yet come under the obedience of Christ. What's in view here is not what we struggle with, but that we must share our temptations. We have to share our shortcomings, our imperfections, our hang-ups, and our quirks with our closest network of friends, because as I have titled this, it is the perfect place to reveal your dysfunctional self, especially for those of you who are serious about changing. Now, perhaps you're asking, why should we open up with an appropriate number of friends with the determination and wisdom to entertain such things that will spur me on to love and good works? Well, I'll answer your question with a question. If you are not sharing your innermost self with an appropriate friend, why not? What is your case? Why would you withhold 
Or even worse, why would you present a carefully edited version of yourself out into the public space, hiding things that need the sanitization of God's light and the community of faith as we, as we help each other through God's Word? What hinders you from making your local church a genuine sanctification hospital? Let me give you three illustrations of friends of mine to make this point, and then I'll come in after that and then make a few other points. Biff the Angry Guy. Biff has been a small group member for over two years. From an outsider's perspective, he seems to have it all together. Of course, that is his goal, to present himself as having it all together. He wants to maintain that perception of a stellar reputation in his small group, his local church small group. His small group does not know that he is an angry man. Now, his wife and kids know that he is an angry man, and it has leaked out among a few friends. For the most part, his group does not know the real Biff. Biff? is stuck on himself. He craves people's approval. Fear of man is what we call it. Biblically speaking, it will tempt all of us to create that carefully crafted version of ourselves. And he wants to keep a tight grip on his reputation. He is a controller. He believes that he must be on top of things and have it all together. Biff is an inch deep and a mile wide Christian. But if there is not surgical intrusion from his friends who are courageous, competent, and compassionate, then Biff will continue with the deception, even if it causes generational dysfunction, as it most assuredly will. And then there is Bert, the addicted guy. Bert is a secret addict. He got hooked at 17. He's 31 now. He's been in a small group for a little over a year. He and Biff are friends, and they spend many weekends together because of their wives. Marge and Mabel hit it off. Bert, seem, Bert senses that Biff is not what he claims. But Bert thinks, well, shoot, who am I to judge? I got this secret addiction. Bert, here's his plan. He's going to become clean for six months to a year before he tells Marge about his addiction. He, he thinks that if he can kick the habit, then he can talk about his addiction as though it was something in his past rather than a current struggle. He wants to maintain his reputation. He wants to project humility before the group by confessing a past conflict, something that was in his past and then he'll gain some accountability in case his temptation comes knocking again. His plan is similar to Biff's. In a word, he wants to control the situation. Rather than partnering with the foolishness and the weakness of the gospel, Biff and Bert plan to correct their problem through self-reliant means, relying on themselves rather than relying on him who raises the dead. And then in this small group, we have Bryce, the humble guy. Bryce enters the group. Now, Bryce is a young Christian who has not yet learned the ropes. Maybe I should say he has not yet learned the deceptive ropes. Bill and Bert have not contaminated him yet. Hypocrisy and the art of deception, they're not for the novice. And Bryce is still wet behind the ears. Bryce still believes in the Bible. And Bryce talks about the Bible as though it is the best thing since sliced bread. Bryce is a newbie to the small group. Biff and Bert have 
They have measured transparency. They drip out certain things about themselves during small group as a show of humility. They give the perception they are in the group, but they are not. It is a false intimacy to pretend that you are in something when in reality you know that you are not in because of this this measured way, this measured transparency in which you live. And so from Bryce's perspective, he says, wow, they are in the group. They are participating in the group, and he doesn't understand measured transparency. He doesn't understand this edited version of, of Bert and Biff. Bryce is amazed at their honesty and openness, and that's because he is comparing it to uh, where he works normally. See, from his perspective, it is radically different from the nonsense in his office, where there is gossip around the water cooler and power ties and power lunches and the survival of the fittest race to the top mindset. The saying goes, it's easy to impress the fifth graders. Bryce, no disrespect intended, he is the small group fifth grader, and he is impressed, and he's grateful for this new group, particularly with Biff and Bird. In Numbers 32.23, by the way, this is an easy verse to remember because 32.23 are, are the same. You just invert 32.23, and it says this, Behold, you have sinned against the Lord, but be sure your sin will find you out. You can imagine what a surprise it was to Bryce, the night Biff's wife, Mabel, blurted out, I can't take it anymore. I'm leaving Biff. He's intolerable. From that point, she shared his many unexposed secrets through tears. She talked about the threats, his condemning ways, and even the physical abuse of her and the children. It was not a pretty picture. Sadly, it did not have to come out the way it did. All of us struggle with suppressed transparency, and this is what Bert and Biff were doing. You see this in Romans chapter 1, verse number 18. The wrath of God comes from heaven against all, of, all ungodliness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, pressing the truth of God out of our lives. I call it a suppressed transparency. Like Adam before us, our native tendency is to grab fig leaves and cover up the shame in our lives. Hiding sin is a form of insanity. Being open and honest appropriately. Again, I'm not talking about blurting out everything that you've ever done to anyone that will listen to you, including all your social platforms. But hiding sin is a form of insanity. If we were to go back and reread that list of negative Adamic traits, it's our list. It's my list. It's your list. Not maybe everything on the list, and most certainly we could add things to the list, but it represents only part of who we are. Then why do we want to pretend those things do not belong to us? Why do we want to suppress our transparency? In 1 Corinthians 15.33, it says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. We want to make sure who we are surrounding ourselves with and that those things that we surround ourselves with are appropriately, intuitively encroaching on our lives, especially those who are our friends. There are more things to add to the list, as mind-boggling as that may appear. 
but depravity does not have boundaries. And complete insulation from sin's encroachments is absolutely impossible. You know, there have been people who have implemented harsh aesthetic and isolating practices into their lives only to realize that you cannot separate from the world because the world is in our hearts. Christians' collective fallenness is why a reliable company of friends is essential. Biff and Bert are not good companions, and they may corrupt Bryce if things do not change. Think about how insane it is to participate in a small group that talks about sanctification but refuses to let the group in on their dirty little secrets. All Christian groups are the same. It's a struggle to open up about the more in-depth struggles of our lives. I am not saying this as though I am detached or apart or above this. Those of you who have been following our ministry for a while, you know that the articles that I write are devotional. It is how I think about life. It is, it is how I am attempting to live. And so the articles that I write in in many, many times or in many ways, they are a confessional. And so I'm not saying this as your judge or as though I'm above this. This is my temptation too, to suppress. But what are our options? If you participate in a small group, I want to share with you three hindrances that will keep you from a productive small group life experience. And if anything, any of these things apply to you just a little bit, then ask God to give you grace to change. Appeal to the Holy Spirit to eliminate your mind, to give you the proper thoughts and the direction that you should go. Ask the Spirit of God to help you to eliminate your mind to see Scripture in a new and effectual way, especially pertaining to any one of these three inhibitors that can not only crush small group life, but it can shrink our individualized souls. And so the first thing that would inhibit any small group experience is understanding everyone is afraid. Everybody is afraid. Rarely will someone be like Bryce most people yield to the temptation to hide their shame behind their fig leaves. When Lucia and I began the complicated process of looking for a church, we did not put finding a transparent, intentional, sanctified small group on our list of non-negotiables. We just did not put that on our list because we understand our temptations and we understand the temptations within any local church environment. And I would appeal to you uh, that if you say that you have to have a transparent, intentional, sanctified small group, well, then you set yourself up for disappointment. And the reason is simple. We've never belonged to a local church that aggressively pursued each other this way. And I'm talking about the majority report. There are always people, there's, there's always groups or pods of people within a, group, within a church that do want this, but the majority report do not in almost all local churches. We have been in groups discussing this kind of vibrant life together, but there is a difference between talking about intentional sanctification and practically practicing it. It's one thing to say it, that you want it. It is a whole other ball game to say that I am going to participate in it because that's the messy part and people will be offended. If you want what I am describing, then stop complaining about it if you are. I don't understand why people complain about this particular topic. My church does not do, my small group is not this. 
well, then you're, you're complicating the problem. In counseling, that's called a complicating problem. You're ironing your shirt, you burn your finger, and then you yell and kick your toe against the door and break your toe. Your broken toe is a complicated problem. You had one problem, you burnt your finger. Now you have another problem. You have a broken toe in addition to the original problem. If you complain about your church not being X, Y, or Z, or your small group, then your grumbling and your complaining is a complicating problem. I don't understand that. And so what I would appeal is that you develop it. You be part of the solution. You be a self-disclosing example with all wisdom and with all discretion. Again, we're not putting our sins on social, but there are people in your local church who would like to elevate their sanctification practice. And so you lead them. You ask God to send these people your way. You be that example before them, and you'll find a nucleus growing in your church. When we landed in our new local church, we were not disappointed. The small group life was not that great. And so we prayed for some like-minded people to cross our paths, individuals who embrace a transparent pursuit of mutual sanctification for the glory of God. And guess what? <laughs> that happened. The first inhibitor that I'm laying out here is everyone is afraid, and we have to understand that. The second inhib inhibitor is the devaluing of community. Don't settle for anything less than a group of friends who want to do intentional sanctification together. Did you know you can be dissatisfied with superficiality and still be humble? You don't have to be mad about it, but you can be righteously dissatisfied. If you're afraid of opening up, ask God to give you the favor to where your desire for this kind of community overwhelms your fear of being exposed. Biff and Bert's relationship with God and their families are deteriorating daily. They live in unexposed sin while participating in a small group designed to fight against what they are hiding. Think about the irony there. They live in unexposed sin while participating in a small group designed to fight against what they are hiding. It's like becoming sicker in the hospital. It's not supposed to be that way. Bill and Bert do not understand, or they do not want to understand, the value of community life. And that is inhibitor number two, the devaluing of the community. Fortunately, Bill's wife has enough, has had enough, or has enough grit, rather, to spill the beans though it would be better for Biff to humble himself. His wife mercifully is willing to do what he is afraid to do for himself. Any loving spouse would call the doctor if her spouse were sick. What would you do? Your spouse was having a heart attack in the living room and you would just stand there and look? No, you would do all you could do with the utmost urgency to get him the help that we need. Unfortunately, what we don't see or don't apply is that our, our spiritual well-being is actually more important than our physical well-being. Our spiritual well-being has eternal consequences. Our physical well-being will go back to the dust from whence it came. If you try to grow your sanctification outside of the body of Christ, then you need to adjust your view of the body of Christ. Growth outside the body is not possible. Devaluing the community was number two. Number one was everybody's afraid. And here's the third inhibitor to small group life succumbing to temptation. 
Paul said these wonderful words that we're familiar with in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure. Now, I know that some of you who are listening to this have hidden sin in your lives. It's hidden from your spouse, and it's hidden from your friends. You do not want to be exposed like Biff. And we all know why. Everybody knows why. Because we're just like you. We're no different from you. Nobody is above this. And so would you please pray right now, ask God to give you an an enabling favor to talk to your small group leader or a close friend who immediately, you do this immediately so that you can confess what is going on in your life. All your struggles are not unique to you. We all struggle in similar ways. The good news is that nothing you struggle with is outside God's transforming grace. If your temptation is to suppress transparency, will you change that pattern in your life today? Would you would you trust God? Would you die to self? Would you be honest for His glory and your well-being and the effectiveness of your local church? I've titled this, The Perfect Place to Reveal Your Dysfunctional Self. Let me wrap up by asking a few questions. I have actually what I have here are five question sets. Number one, describe the relationships in your local church. Are they aggressive about being intentionally intrusive in each other's lives? And, and I would caution some of you here that when you describe the relationships in the church, I know that some people have been hurt by the church for whatever reason. Some people are angry at the church or cynical toward the church. And I would just ask that you ask God to help you to guard your heart. It's okay to make charitable assessments, but if we are in a place of weakness— like anger, vulnerability, like cynicism. When you answer this question, we can answer this question harshly and uncharitably. We will not answer it correctly because our presupposition, our, uh, the window through which we see our church, is a sinful window that we are sinning. And I have I've been there, and I know what it's like to look through that lens. And, and what you'll see, everything will be discolored in a way that it should not be discolored. Describe the relationships in your local church. Are they aggressive about being intentionally intrusive in each other's lives? Number two, if they are a vibrant community, how did that happen? Now, some of you, this is a great discussion to have. You say, I live in a vibrant community. Maybe you are a pod in a larger, vibrant, in a larger local church, and that pod, that small group, is a vibrant community. How did it become that way, whether it's the local church or an aspect of the local church? We want, to, we want to talk aloud about how that happened because we want to replicate that. Now, if your church is not a vibrant community, why do you believe that they are not that? Number three, what is your role in helping your church mature in sanctification? What will you do to be part of the solution in your church? This is always a question that I ask, especially for complainers and grumblers. I'm not making light of the church not being what they say it is not. But again, it goes back to that complicating problem. We can't add to the problem of the church. We can't add to the problem of the small group. We, we have to rise above that in a humble way. 
and then we want to be part of the solution. So what is your role in helping your church mature in sanctification? I just don't want to hear, and you don't either, you don't want to hear anybody complain about a church or a small group when they're not doing their part. Now, you'll see that on social media, which is a good reminder here to spend less time on social media where the disinhibition effect is fully uploaded, meaning meaning people are not inhibited about saying anything they want to say without a social filter. That is just a bad place to spend your time. And so what role, how are you being part of the solution? Number four, what one point stuck out to you and what I just shared with you? What is, what is just one thing that stuck out to you with what I shared with you? And what specific and practical thing will you do in response? How will you respond to that? What, what is something that you could respond to, that one thing that stuck out in your mind? And then finally, number five, will you share what I just shared with you? with a friend, and will you discuss how you can make a difference in your church? If you want to find this specific article on our website, then go uh, to, it's titled, The Perfect Place uh, to Reveal Your Dysfunctional Self. That's where you will find it. You could just type perfect place, or you can type dysfunctional self, and you can find this article. What I would encourage you to do is go to our store, And when you go to our store, you'll see a book titled Local Church, and this is just one chapter uh, in that book. There's over 30,000 words in that book, and it is free to you. See, because of Gary, uh, who is donating to our ministry, Gary, this is because of you. It's your fault that, that we give these books away. It is your kindness that we give these books away. And there, there's a book, 30,000 words. It's a digital download, and, and you can have it, and you, and you can uh, use it personally. You can share it with your friends. You can use it in a, a small group as well. By the way, as I finish here, I, I do want to show you our, our coffee beans, our Life Over Coffee coffee beans, because if you go to our store, uh, then you know check out our merchandise. We have uh, these beans that everybody loves. Uh, in my view, everybody loves it. Or if you want to get a nice Life Over Coffee uh, ball cap, it's got this metal clasp on the back of it. That's it's, it's high quality Life Over Coffee uh, ball cap, and it comes in our brand colors, which are orange and green. Uh, so those are there as well. And then I, I would uh, also appeal to you to jump on our stickers because I would love to walk in a coffee shop around America and see our Life Over Coffee uh, stickers on the backs of people's computers or wherever they put them, but on their computers. Uh, that would be fantastic. These are inexpensive, and so you can buy, uh, get a bunch of these. So as you're in our store getting that free book, Uh, the local church. And by the way, we have a lot of other free books there as well. There's several digital downloads. And so I want you to take it. I want you to have them all. Please just take them and use them, use them in your church. And then of course, let other people know, wow, here's some free content books that you can have. Some of you may choose to print it off and uh, you can ring bind it and, and have little paperback books. You can print off a bunch of them and Hand them out to your friends. That would be great. Please do that. That's why we. That's why Gary and 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 me and our team 
we produce this content, that we partner together because we want to share the practical message of Christ near and far. So Gary, thank you so much for your donation. All of you, uh, thank you so much for being part of this. And I want you to go to the perfect place that to reveal your dysfunctional self, and that is in your local church, and get in there and make a difference. And if we can serve you in any way, just hit the contact button on our website and let us know, and it would be a joy to do that. Thank you so much, and God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.